listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to Unscripted, a special podcast series from ShoreScripts in collaboration with the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Unscripted with ShoreScripts is a six-episode series discussing challenges facing patients and care providers and how technology is creating opportunities for change. This series will offer a variety of voices in specialty medications, different pharmacy conversations, and showcase how ShoreScripts is driving best-in-class solutions designed specifically to deliver operational efficiencies and, most important, the best patient care. ShoreScripts aims to keep the patient at the center of all that we do, working to ensure faster, more informed, more accurate, more reliable transfer of information among care management teams. This episode of Unscripted Podcast is powered by ShoreScripts. And now here's our host, the founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Todd Yuri. Hey, welcome back to the Unscripted Podcast. This is uh, brought to us by ShareScripts. ShareScripts has been a partner of the Pharmacy Podcast Network for some time. We've been so excited to work with them on understanding how technology, modern technology, cutting edge data analysis and technology is impacting patient care through our pharmacists, my favorite providers. And we have one of those of my favorite providers and one of the Pharmacy 50 most influential um, pharmacists with us for 2022 Cecilia Byers, Dr. Byers is a clinical product advisor with ShareScripts, and she brings clinical expertise uh, to the ShareScripts team in specialty clinical uh, product uh, advisory, and just understanding what patients go through as a pharmacist who has been there for her patients, and now is helping to lead ShareScripts in delivering more patient care um, through tech. And that's both sides of the coin that I love, pharmacists and technology. Cecilia, it's so good to have you back. Thanks, Todd. It's always great to be here with you. Um, excited for our conversation today. This is important. This episode is really dedicated to improving outcomes for patients with multiple sclerosis. Um, that is a specialty um, disease state as it takes more uh, follow-up from patient um, feedback uh, um, the charting uh, from our pharmacists and communication and action from our physicians. And that triangle team is so important. And where the family and supporters uh, fit into that is also equally as important. And being able to use technology to accelerate care as well as extract data from the right um, right places at the right time is really important. And I like the fact that the Unscripted Podcast has always brought us um, people who understand specific um, challenges that people are going through who are suffering with specific conditions. Um, Julie Fayol is the Associate Vice President of Clinical Innovation and Strategy of the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Julie, we are thrilled to have you here. Well, thanks so much, Todd. I'm thrilled to be here. I appreciate the invitation and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Julie, what happens in the month of March every year that we're we're actually celebrating today on this podcast? Yes, the first full week of March each year is MS Awareness Week. So it's a week that we devote um, time and attention to, as it's stated, raising awareness for the disease that nearly a million people in the United States live with and close to 3 million people live with worldwide. 
Julie, when did you get started in in um, in really understanding the condition, the disease state, and then becoming part of the National Multiple Sclerosis Society? Yes. So it was nearly 20 years ago. Um, I was newly out of graduate school and trying to find the right fit for the career that I was looking for as a social worker at the time. And I found the right fit at the National MS Society, providing information and referral to people. So this was back in the days where people more often picked up the phone and called someone when they needed to learn about a new disease or new symptoms they were having, or they needed to find a doctor or a support group um, to help them. And so I was that person who answered the phone and helped people adapt to this new chronic condition that they were living with answer the questions that they had and connect them to resources. And it's an interesting time to think back 20 years ago, I did use the internet to answer some of these questions, but I really had a big filing cabinet that I developed over the years with just handwritten resources. And um, some of the questions would become pretty common. I got a lot of phone calls when someone was just diagnosed and they had so many questions about you know, the basic facts about multiple sclerosis, um, but it was really just those those individual conversations and meeting people where they were during an incredibly emotional time that really captured me and kept me connected to the disease um, nearly 20 years later. Julie, I used to go to a library and go up to a big uh, um, filing system of cards and pull out a tray of cards trying to find the exact book that I was looking for. Is that called the Dewey Decimal System? I think, it, yeah, the, the card catalog and the they use the Dewey catalog. Decimal System to find the book on the shelf. Yes, we're dating ourselves, Todd, but that is exactly what it is. <laughs> I'm old enough to say that we were actually, everyone on this call was out there um, doing work before the internet. And that's right. That is has done both uh, incredible things and also questionable things for society. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, Cecilia, you and I just talked, it seems like it's been a couple of weeks, but it's actually been months um, mm -hmm. from the NASP uh, gathering and the support that uh, SureScripts um, just constantly has for bringing great information to our platform is so appreciated. Your clinical experience, the influence that you have, obviously your peers, um, voting you as one of those 50 most influential pharmacists in our country right now. There's reasons for that. And that's because you're making differences in patient care through product development, through the specialty pharmacy knowledge that you have, accelerating care, getting rid of barriers based on technology. And we've always said as techie, nerdy people that sometimes our users of tech don't realize what's happening behind the scenes. I want to know, you know, what common challenges for specialty pharmacy are you currently working on right now? Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting topic, right? Because there's so many things out there that impact that patient journey. And that's really what we focus on is what what is that patient journey from the time that the prescription hits the pharmacy um, and all of the impact points that we have along the way. We've really been focused on, um, you know, one of the friction points around just gathering clinical data. Um, 
specialty medications, unlike traditional medications, require a lot more information. Um, it requires lab tests to be known by that pharmacy to be able to take it to the next steps to make sure that that patient is, or that therapy is the right therapy for that patient at that given time, or that the medication is continuing to be the right treatment for the patient over time. Um, we think a lot about multiple sclerosis and, you know, just how those medications are prescribed, newer therapies that require um, the patient to be initiated in a hospital and having labs continu continuously monitored. And if something were to happen in that time frame and they had to stop therapy for whatever reason, having to restart it in just the right way um, to make sure that there's not any sort of adverse events. So we think about data. Where is that coming from? How are we getting it? yesterday, I'm going to say, right? It was phones and faxes. Today and tomorrow, we have um, the ability to start getting that information when and where it's needed for those pharmacists um, and technicians too, who are helping along that journey for those patients. I think it's important that we we consider, I mean, it's one of those words that we use a lot at SureScripts is interoperability. Um, and what that really means in the ecosystem. You have interoperability a lot between EHRs and health systems and transferring that information has become second nature. When it comes to pharmacies, how do we make it second nature? And that's really what we're focusing on and connecting those, those different pieces together. Um, some of the other areas that we know are, are big pain points that we have our eye on is really that prior authorization process, um, as well as that benefits, understanding um, benefits up front in a way that is meaningful to that entire patient journey, not just that single fill. Um, so those are, you know, those continue to be those areas of friction that we continue to chip away at because those are important pieces to understand and have a grasp on as that patient is starting and continuing on therapy. Julie, the association, the growth of the MS Society over the years has taken a whole new um, respect and shape for physicians, pharmacists, nurses, um, all caregivers, even and more importantly, family members who are, ta are taking care of or that caregiver that's taking care of that patient. When I think of the time that it takes to get medications to patients, there's frustration because I know what's happening behind the scenes. And sometimes the prior auth is the place that's holding up the therapy getting started. You know, what impact um, do you see um, if, if we could make those changes and, and what impact would that have on, on the patient experience? Right. That's a great question. And I perked up when Cecilia mentioned prior authorizations as a pain point, because I feel that's a universal pain point, no matter who you are and in your position on that care team. It's a frustration. Um, it, it's Time is important. You know, in stroke, they say time is brain, and we like to say that similarly in multiple sclerosis, um, particularly if, if you're starting on a new medication. This is either a new diagnosis um, so that's a time of anxiety. Or if you're starting a new medication, it means you're switching because likely the medication you were on has failed you and isn't controlling your disease as it should be. So these are times of heightened anxiety and stress and worry. Um, so time uh, continues that and makes that worse. 
And so starting on a therapy sooner than later is going to ease some of that. It allows someone to feel that they're getting some control back in their life. They're doing something, improves self-efficacy. Um, and from a clinical standpoint, um, we know that early and ongoing treatment with a disease-modifying therapy is a successful way of managing multiple sclerosis. Um, if a prior authorization takes extra days to weeks, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we really can't quantify what that's necessarily causing in terms of the disease progress. However, it's a significant impact to the patient and to their experience. And it, it is counter to the messaging that the clinician is sending to their patient. You know, the best way to manage your disease is to start a therapy and stay on the therapy. So any kind of holdups or setbacks, you know, really just hoops that patients need to jump through um, are really unnecessary. And then if you think about the person who might be reluctant, to start a therapy, um, and then you add those extra roadblocks or hoops that people are jumping through, it just increases the odds that you may not have a person um, initiate therapy or be adherent to the therapy. Yeah, Julie, you, you mentioned that about the, the person who might not be, you know, there, there's that reluctance to start something new, right? The, the shock of this diagnosis? Do I want to be treated? How are they going to treat me? And then it's going to take time. Well, then we have this thing called the internet, right? We mentioned it earlier. For better or worse, there's a lot of information out there and it's right and wrong, right? And That's how right. do you differentiate that? And how do you get to that, those right sources of information? And I think that's really where um, the, not only the specialty pharmacy, the provider, but also organizations like the National um, Multiple Sclerosis Society play a huge role in ensuring that the patient is getting the right information, the right information about the disease, the right information about their therapy, right? It's not always pretty. The, the therapies are not pretty. They're, they're not, let's just be honest. Right. But the more that we can be upfront and honest about that, have those conversations, recognize that the pharmacists are in a position whether they're in the specialty pharmacy or embedded within that doctor's office, they're going to know, they're going to help them anticipate, help them know, like, these are some of the things that we can do to overcome them. And that's why it's so critical that, you know, pharmacists continue to be part of these, of these care teams, because in that waiting time, that's when those reluctant patients become less and less likely to start. So the more they have the right information, and honestly are taken along on that journey. So they're not kind of left off the train. Um, I think is really helpful too. Uh, I know when I was in pharmacy practicing as a specialty pharmacist, um, I had a number of patients with multiple sclerosis. And I have one in particular who um, it wasn't necessarily the process of starting it. It was how she was going to afford it. Mm -hmm. that, that caused us to have a lot of delays because it was, we couldn't get a hold of her because she didn't have, you know, the resources to pay for that month's therapy. And it really highlighted for me the importance of the entire care team, um, specifically those caregivers at home who often I had to call to get a hold of her to really, you know, try to understand 
what her financial situation was, worked with um, other organizations. I know we reached out to the National MS Society to get information around foundational support um, and connected her to the resources necessary to be able to get her on and remain on therapy. Yeah, so many good points that you just made there. Um, I think to, to start with what you were just mentioning in terms of the patient you were trying to contact who wasn't responsive because she couldn't afford her medication. Um, the society did a study uh, that's four years now, 2019, um, and we discovered that 40% of people living with MS were not taking their disease-modifying therapy as it was prescribed because they specifically because they could not afford it. Um, we also know there are, are data to support that as copays go up, adherence goes down. So even if someone has insurance um, with these medications being so expensive, if the co-pays are too expensive, they're not going to take the medication as prescribed. I don't need to tell the group that's listening that if a medication isn't taken as prescribed, it's not going to be effective. Um, so in, in that scenario, it's really important that the entire care team makes the patient feel comfortable to share that information with their doctor. It can be incredibly embarrassing to say to a doctor, I can't afford this medication. And I think it's really helpful for a pharmacist to start that conversation, ask the question, are you not taking this because you can't afford it? Encouraging the patient to talk to their clinician that's prescribing the medication, because you know, without that honesty and that open dialogue, um, people just aren't going to get better uh, or or be able to control their disease. Um, and then you also mentioned um, like the misinformation and ensuring that you're getting information from accurate sources. And when we talk about delays, as you mentioned, um, people are anxious in this time. People want to hear about others' experiences. You know, it's one thing to come to the National MS Society for information, but it's also human nature. We all want to hear about how someone else did in a similar situation. And so you mentioned people getting out there and connecting with others. And so the more time we give them to feel anxious and to explore and look for information and hear about others along their journey, um, we can't control what sources that they're using necessarily. And as you sort of mentioned, Cecilia, sometimes they're getting connected to good information and sometimes they're not connected to good information. So I, I was always telling my patients, whether I was working as a social worker or as a nurse, that you really have to be careful of the information that you're getting and the source and considering the source and really giving practical guidance. And pharmacists can be really key in this um, because if, if somebody leaves their MS clinic and their prescription is written and then it's turned over to the pharmacist to work through the prior authorization phase, you have direct contact with the patient. So you can be asking, you know, what information are you seeking right now? Where are you going for it? So you have that opportunity to influence and ensure that they're using some of the better, more reputable, reliable, credible sources of information. So I thought that was a really good point you made. Julie, you have this audience um, 
one of the largest, if not the largest audience of pharmacists listeners to podcasts. And this has been an honor for us to have you on because we want you to speak to specialty pharmacists specifically. So if, if a specialty pharmacist is listening right now, they work with MS patients, what should they keep in mind from your perspective? There's a lot. I mean, in addition to what I've already mentioned, I think keeping in mind and and Cecilia, I'll ask you to weigh in and help me understand sort of how data sharing occurs from the pharmacy side of things. But I think it's important to know that so many people who live with MS also live with other comorbid conditions that you're likely Um, seeing them be treated for. And maybe it's not from a specialty pharmacy side, but maybe it's from the retail pharmacy side. So things like diabetes are much more common. Other autoimmune conditions are common for people who live with multiple sclerosis, cardiovascular disease. So hypertension um, could be coronary artery disease, also very common. And so they're going to be using multiple medications, most likely. And I don't know how well all of the various systems are, are talking to one another and if the pharmacist in one setting is able to see the full picture, meaning one setting, meaning the specialty pharmacist, if the retail pharmacist um, can see the bigger picture. Todd mentioned in his introduction that there's sort of that triangle of care. And in multiple sclerosis, there's far more um, disciplines involved in care. But the triangle he mentioned was the patient, the pharmacist, and the physician. And in our case, this could be an advanced practice provider, whoever's prescribing that medication. And you've talked, Cecilia, about the use of technology and how, you know, from that health system or in the um, maybe in the hospital or in the clinic, clinicians are able to communicate and all see one medical record. But how does that translate to the pharmacist and, and what can the pharmacist see and how can they with ease communicate with one another? Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's one of the things that, you know, this idea of information sharing starts to bridge that gap. Um, But not everybody is sharing in the same way. And I think that's one of the biggest things that that we've seen that we've really looked to try to overcome is how how we can take information from multiple different EHRs where that patient has received care. Right. We think about polypharmacy, um, which is what you were alluding to. Julie, with, you know, the management of these other disease states, depression is another one that comes to mind, um, you know, with our with our MS population as well. And, you know, understanding what those medications are, where they're coming from. And that, you know, really helps to enhance that medication reconciliation process um, to know what they're taking, right? To to have a starting point of a med list versus a patient who is trying to recall the medications that they might be taking for these other disease states Um, to have that conversation early on with them to say, I have a list, let's go through it. And then to say, did I miss anything? Right. Versus the the question of what are you taking? Yeah. Because I'll probably leave something out. I take three medications. I'll probably miss one of them. It's just bound to happen. And that's three. Um, And then you consider everything else that's going through their mind. You know, the caregiver who might be there with them, um, you know, who's ever at home might be there helping, helping facilitate that conversation um, or being part of the conversation. <laughs> Recall a lot of three-way calls. Um, you know, we had 
husband or wife on one line, the other person on the other, me on mine. And we were, you know, had conversations that way, um, really whatever it took to facilitate. But I think that's really where, when we think about medications in general, the way that we're receiving those from um, different entities, and then being able to combine those into a single list for our pharmacies um, has been one of, you know, an impactful part of what we're doing in some of those onboarding processes that um, those patients are experiencing as they're interacting with that pharmacy for the first time or even over time. Um, the other part that is one of the areas that we're looking at is how we can better share information back from the pharmacy to the provider hmm. um, that takes away the phone call or the fax machine. Um, how can we do more of that electronic communication back to the prescriber, getting that information back to them in a way that they're going to see it that doesn't require somebody to go take a piece of paper and then scan it and then do a review. Um, those are some of the other areas that, you know, we're looking at that we're having conversations about um, today. The other part is just understanding when the patient has received care. Mm -hmm. Right. It's one thing to know that they're on this medication, but what happened if they were hospitalized um, and trying to bridge some of those gaps? SureScripts has solutions in place, and it's just trying to find how those solutions fit into those specific scenarios. Um, and I get really excited about those things um, because it, it just adds that next level of care in terms of, of what we can provide. And again, along that entire patient journey, where can we impact those moments that matter? And that's one of the things that we say a lot in product is actually our, our mission statement is, you know, creating unmatched solutions for patients and the people that care for them in the moments that matter. It mm -hmm. is one of my favorite things to be able to see, to say, um, because it's impactful. Everything we do, everything we strive to do is to impact the patient, the provider, the pharmacist, the caregiver, right? Who that entire care team when it matters most. Yeah. You mentioned a few things that um, really resonated with me. Um, you know, one, going back to that medication list, I'm thinking just to myself personally, every time I go to a different healthcare provider and I have to, again, state my list of things that I'm taking, it's like, why do we have to do this from one person to the next? And so, you know, I really appreciate the efforts that are being made and your just simple suggestion or solution of here's what I have. What am I missing? Um, it's important to know. So back to Todd's question, what should the listeners know? about people who live with multiple sclerosis, common symptom of cognitive issues. Information speed processing is one of the highest impacted areas for someone with cognitive dysfunction from MS. So if you are giving them new information, you're talking them through what is a very complicated process to a non-pharmacist of prior authorization, just keeping that in mind that you may need to slow down, you may need to repeat things a few times, or if you hear that frustration, didn't we already talk about this? How come they didn't remember to do X, Y, Z? You know, just coming back to it's probably the disease state and on top of that, you have somebody at a stressful time that may have anxiety or depression, both of which are also very common in multiple sclerosis. Um, 
You mentioned polypharmacy, which is something that I just, I also wanted to touch on because there was a recent study and you and I have talked about this, Cecilia, in other conversations that polypharmacy is more common in people who live with multiple sclerosis. I mentioned a few comorbid conditions, depression, anxiety, neuropathic pain is also very common in multiple sclerosis and oftentimes the tricyclic antidepressants are used to, to help manage that. So you can have lots of medications that the patient is taking. And so that's one of the reasons I was asking, and you probably assumed where I was going with the question of, can the pharmacist see the big picture? Is the specialty pharmacy talking to the retail pharmacist? And um, just knowing things that, you know, polypharmacy studies have shown us that in people with MS, it puts them at higher risk for falls. It can worsen their cognition. It can worsen their mood symptoms. So you have all of these things that are just playing together. Um, and so I think that, again, it comes back to communication and ensuring that whichever clinician is talking to the patient, that they have access to the, the big picture. I think of a concept of intelligence in action and what that means for data usage to literally support the relationship between physicians and pharmacists. And I have to recall a discussion between uh, Dr. Andrew uh, Mellon. He's um, chief medical information officer at SureScripts. And he and I have talked before and he shared with me something that was shocking, which uh, SureScripts is in motion to, to, um, to fight and to, get around and make it easier. But there was a survey that three of uh, four pharmacists um, and two of every three prescribers say that incomplete forms are an issue when they're trying to obtain a prior authorization for a specialty medication. Uh, multiple sclerosis was part of that. Uh, it was, it was, it was kind of a bigger um, collection of data per se. And 87% of pharmacists think it should take less than two weeks to get a patient started on a specialty medication, but only 33% report uh, that it actually does. And it's slowing things down. Now, I'm gonna step away from Dr. Cecilia and Julie, who understands it from a um, really the holistic world of multiple sclerosis. And now I'm the father of a patient that's waiting for this medication. And that's all I could think about, no matter how busy I am at work or, I'm trying to be a husband. Um, I'm trying to maybe um, be on my student council or, or, or my school council or something. All I'm going to think about is my child not getting started on a medication that the physician already decided, hey, let's get this going. And now I'm wondering what in the world could be taking so long. And here where here's where intelligence becomes action. Here's where data becomes action. And therein lies why I think SureScripts has such an important mission to accelerate these therapies and helping um, patients uh, win as much as they can in, in, in living with multiple sclerosis. Julie, what do you think of that data that I just shared with you? And how does, how does the society work with SureScripts and then health systems to try to get those barriers out of the way um, sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, such um, 
disappointing <laughs> numbers and I guess unfortunately not surprising um, just in knowing the, the current state of, of the healthcare system. What resonated most with me in what you in the data you shared was the incomplete forms. And to your scenario of being a father, it seems like um, an unnecessary step, right? I mean, in many of these things, I guess we could say are unnecessary, but to think from that father's perspective of if this person had just taken the time to answer that one question, this process could be moving forward. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of our resources at the society go into helping clinicians fight appeals and the various hoops um, of rejected claims for prescribing information. And and I, I guess I would say maybe more needs more attention needs to be going into how can we get this right the first time so that that appeal doesn't have to take place. And maybe I'll turn this around to Cecilia and maybe this becomes the next step of how, how we work together, the society and sure scripts. But, you know, what do we know? What's missing? And, and why is that? Why is that start form still on paper? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cecilia, you're the one that I was saving this for. And I'm so glad Julie said that because I'm echoing what, what she's leading to you know, you're involved at helping to establish standards for sure scripts. My goodness, the ripple effect that the standardization of expectation of data extraction, collection, and usage, so that when you move forward, thinking about now how does interoperability between the pharmacy management system, the hub, the um, supplier, the manufacturer, the insurer, how does this all tie things together? I think of um, technologies, they're calling it fire now. Um, you know, what actions can this audience and, and the listeners take to help remove barriers um, for faster care for our patients? Yeah, I mean, those that's those are some of the questions we think about and we talk about daily here on how we can, you know, create a, a, a process that's more efficient. Um, it starts with that ability to share data, um, you know, as Julie mentioned forms and, and Todd, you had mentioned it too. this idea of a paper. Um, these medications are complex. They are very difficult to prescribe and, you know, in some of the e-prescribing platforms and, you know, ensuring that the directions are correct and the, the quantities are correct and, you know, just things as what we take for granted, right? For like a, a blood pressure medication, take one tablet daily, right? That's pretty straightforward, but that's not specialty medications. You think about loading doses, you think about a maintenance dose. Well, now it's weight-based. So now does their dose change because we have a different weight? We actually saw that with one of our pharmacies um, in terms of use leveraging the data that we have available and that we're um, that they're able to have access to or gain access to that the patient weight patient's weight changed enough that it required them to change therapies. Um, so it's that type of information that not only at onboarding and when that patient is first starting, but also taking them through the course of that therapy. Um, you know, Todd, you mentioned fire. Um, that is really where all of our EHRs are at because they have to be, um, you know, starting to bridge that gap with pharmacies because that is how that communication is happening today. 
So how do we ensure that pharmacies are also communicating in the same manner? Because then once you get to those points, then that interoperability really starts to have that light shine on what it's capable of doing. The ability to request information, send information, ask a question potentially, and even get an answer back without having to pick up a phone or send a fax. Um, and again, that that entire patient journey. I was I did a I think with another a drugstore news um, webinar with Dr. Mellon months ago. It feels like it could have been two weeks ago. I'm not sure. Time just flies. Um, but I likened the experience of starting a specialty medication as being on a roller coaster. Um, and that's really what it is. And patients shouldn't have to be on that journey you, as a father, right? You don't want to be on that journey with your daughter or your son, hmm. your child, your wife, your mother, father, whoever it might be, because you want a smooth path. And the more that we have the ability to exchange data equally, the closer we get to that smooth path. Will it ever be a, you know, a straight road? No, it won't be. A specialty is never going to be a straight, smooth road, but we can definitely take out some of the twists and turns along the way. And that's really where standardization standards, we work closely with NCPDP. I know NASP is you know, working really closely with specialty pharmacies, understanding their needs. What's next? How are we working together to be able to have those communication points whether it's with back to the provider, to the payer, to, you know, even back to life sciences and what that might look like. Um, because we all play a vital part to that patient experience. Julie, I'm really thankful that we had an opportunity to talk with you and dig into what's really necessary for providers to work together in order to accelerate treatment, the right treatment but as soon as possible. And then everything that the MS Society is doing to surround the patient with other things, I think is important for our listeners to understand. I want to encourage all of our pharmacists to take a look at the nationalmssociety.org website. It's changed. It's been updated. It looks gorgeous. Um, it's easy to navigate. Once again, the nationalmssociety.org website you can go into uh, symptoms and diagnosis where uh, you can really help to, to define and use uh, terminology and wording that's been updated, as well as resources and support to share with your patients. There's so much packed into this website, Julie. I'm very impressed and excited that, um, that you got a chance to uh, be here with us today on the Unscripted Podcast. But in closing, is there anything you want to share with our pharmacists as next steps? What I like to do with our podcast is challenge our listeners to do something after listening to an episode. So this is our time to put that challenge out. Yeah, I, wow, the one challenge. Well, I, I think I'll lean into what you were just um, saying, Todd, and and really encouraging people to, after they connect with their patients and hear what their challenges are, you know, MS is very heterogeneous, meaning it affects everyone so differently. Um, and, and as we're all humans, the needs of each patient that each pharmacist or technician listening will encounter will be different. Um, but as you said, Todd, we know that MS requires multiple solutions. So the National MS Society has them. 
if your patient is needing just more information, if they need to connect with others, if you, the pharmacist or the technician, need more information. Hmm, my patient's talking about bladder dysfunction. Could that be their MS? Is that coming from another condition? What I don't know what guidance to, to provide or what referral to make. So let me just go into the National MS Society. Lots of information, as you said, right on our website, but the clinician or the patient can connect directly to an MS navigator, someone one-on-one -on -one that can link them to the information or make a connection. Maybe someone needs to connect with another person living with MS or a professional. The pharmacist might discover this patient's really depressed and we need to get them connected to someone that can help them. Um, lots of resources. Also, education for healthcare professionals, including pharmacists. Lots of things that you can find, many ways to connect with the society. So I would encourage people to check out the website. Excellent. Cecilia, what do you want to give a shout out to our pharmacist listeners and pharmacy technicians out there in, um, in the challenge that you can extend? <laughs> it's always the same. Like, just continue to advocate. Advocate for advocate for your profession, advocate, advocate for the things that you need to make your job more efficient, which then ultimately um, impacts the patient. Continue to advocate for your patients, for what they need beyond, you know, their support, empathize with them, help them find the pieces of information that they need, MS Society, um, other organizations out there, depending on what disease state that they are, you know, living with. And you know, encourage them to be advocates for themselves as well. Um, a lot of the times patients will be in a, you know, I, I call it stuck in a rut, right? Because what do they do next? You know, helping them advocate for what they need, um, where they should go, what they could be doing, the questions they could ask the next time they're talking to the provider. Um, it really comes down to that. It really comes down to advocacy and it's across the board. Um, for themselves as well as their patients. All right, it's my turn. Um, two things for my listeners. Number one, I want you to share um, a blog that's sourced from the National MS Society. Once again, nationalmssociety.org. They have an amazing blog reference. By sharing this on your own personal social media, whether that's your Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn, it's going to reach someone who is either directly or indirectly involved with helping patients access additional information. It's amazing when I get information about something that stresses me, the more information I get about that, it makes my stress level go down because I feel like I can take better action based on the subject matter expertise that's sourced from that data. So please, every listener, please share a blog from a blog entry from the National MS Society uh, org. That's number one. Number two, I want everyone that's listening right now to go look at the blogs. Once again, amazing resources from SureScripts. Um, you can um, read them. You can go through all of the, the resources. It's at surescripts.com. And there is a uh, news and insight section on their website. I want you to resource that, read about that. And then more importantly, reach out everyone listening that has questions. I want you to reach out if it's from a technical perspective and an accelerating um, prior authorizations and things that um, you could be doing within your specialty pharmacy. Reach out to um, powerhouses um, like 
um, Cecilia with SureScripts and the SureScripts team, asked them, how do we accelerate um, prescription processing? How do we get through prior authorization faster, specifically around multiple sclerosis and other specialty uh, conditions and disease states? And once again, going back to what Cecilia says, it's us, it's the pharmacy profession that has to advocate in supporting our physicians. Um, we know that our physicians are burnout. We know our pharmacists are going through burnout. But imagine on top of all of that, that you are once again, I'm a father of four daughters and you're a parent that is also burnout because of the processes that our healthcare system puts them through and how the National MS Society can help to remove those obstacles and how SureScripts is leveraging technology. We just got talking about the Dewey Decimal System. Imagine if we had to process prescriptions by going through a card X of thousands of cards trying to find the answer. And that's not the way it is today. We have the internet. We have the power of data resource. We have the power of SureScripts. So my shout out is to pharmacists in accessing information, sharing information, and then reaching out to the company and asking SureScripts, hey, how do I accelerate how do I get this process faster? That's what they're there for. They're here to support you, the providers, my favorite providers, pharmacists, but they're here to ultimately provide uh, assistance to our patients. Julie, I am thrilled that we had a chance to talk with you. I want this to be the start of something special. I would like you to return every year at a minimum to the Pharmacy Podcast Network to share with us updates on multiple sclerosis care and we, of course, would always invite Cecilia back uh, to talk with us about that as well. But I think uh, at, at a minimum, a yearly annual update from you would be absolutely wonderful for our listeners. So thank you, Julie. Thank you. I would love that and look forward to the invitation. Absolutely. And Cecilia, I can't wait to see you at the conferences coming up. I'll be at Assembia this year. We'll be at NASP again as a media partner. And we can't wait to see you there. Yes, Todd, it's always a pleasure to be here and talk with you. Your passion for what we do is absolutely amazing. It's palpable and it keeps me going um, when I leave these calls. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. And thank you uh, to the SureScripts team. A shout out to Sarah that works behind the scenes on uh, putting all these podcasts together with the Unscripted Podcast. You can find Unscripted Podcast on all of your favorite podcast directories and pharmacists you are my heroes if there's anything we can ever do for you please reach out to the pharmacy podcast network thank you thank you for listening to unscripted a podcast series from shorescripts for more information about how shorescripts can help your organization please visit us at shorescripts.com